Good evening, Rob. Hi, John. How you doing? All right. Welcome to North v South, the podcast that is and isn't about design. This is episode 61. Yeah, good evening. Hello. How's your week been? Hang on, actually. First things first. I feel like I'm letting the side down tonight, actually. I'm pouring myself uh, a can of root beer. Do you like root beer? You a fan? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah. I do like Even it. Even though it tastes like germline. Yeah, I like yeah, it. Me too. It's, uh, it's a bit of a Marmite drink, isn't it? Mm. Why are you having root beer? I just didn't fancy another beer. It's one oh, of those nights. We had a few. We had a few. Then <laughs> I didn't carry on drinking all afternoon after we'd had lunch. John, no. <laughs> hmm. What have you got to drink tonight? Anything? <clears throat> I've got a goose IPA. Ah, that's quite a hoppy one, isn't it? Oh, it's very yeah. mm, bitter. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, how's your week? Uh, yeah, it's been been busy. Mm. Uh, um, finally launched our website today. Woo-hoo. So I've been up to see you about some man, some prints. Um, uh, so that's been uh, it's been really eye opening. Just the amount of work getting it right. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure I've got it right at all. So well, looks um, right. I need to put more work in. But yeah, it's it's working. Um, <clears throat> and uh, we've had orders without doing too much work. Yeah. So. That's great. So thank you for those. Um, what else have we been doing? Well, we we tried to record this time last week, didn't we? Yeah. But you had a complete IT failure. We did, which is so rather ha- ironic given the um, our main topic tonight, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, which is, what's the main topic? It's, uh, it's the appeal of the analogue, um, which yeah. my computer obviously decided uh, to take umbrage with and promptly nice. went into a kernel panic. And we couldn't find the reel-to-reel no. recorder to do it over the phone. No, and it's a bit so, far for uh, yogurt pots and string. Yeah. So here we are again a week later. Um, and the the downside of that is that I haven't read any notes for a week or made any because I just haven't had time. Oh, that's all so. right. Uh, yeah. And um, I've been abandoned by my wife, Rob. What? She hasn't left me. Well, it's not what I'm telling everybody else. Um no, she's gone on holiday. It's outrageous. I know. Fancy going on holiday without you. I know. Left me with a three-year-old. Yeah. I, can't, I can't see it, why is she Is it left. your three-year-old or she <laughs> left you with a random one? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, no, just that just one. Is she, are you so hoping more, she'll bring you back something enough. delightful? Is there much to bring back from Crete that's delightful? Uh, I don't know. Probably a, a glass minotaur or a, yeah. um, a, a slice of baklava. Yeah. It's, that was exactly what I was going to say. A balalaika. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's so how are you coping? Oh, f- yeah, fine. I like yeah. it. It's funny. Um, I'm reading yeah. Harry Potter to her, which I've realised, you know, it She's is not three, an appropriate yes. book. To, I know. Yeah. She really likes it. <laughs> she likes the films. Okay. Um, Again. But she won't watch three, beyond yes. certain points. I know. It's pretty terrifying. <laughs> But the one thing she's scared of in the whole thing is Dobby. Oh, well, even I'm scared of Dobby. Mm. Weird little thing. So we're not getting very far beyond the second one. But I I think it's a a little bit inappropriate and way too early. Yes. But but we're enjoying reading the book. Yeah, why not? Mm. Um, Is she she sort of good with 
kind of weird fantasy stuff. There's other monsters under her bed. Yeah, well, I came in uh, tonight to a um, a very hungry caterpillar um, play that she'd put on for me. Nice. Yeah. Good. So, yeah, she's got quite an imagination. Anyway, I won't bore you anymore with my lovely little daughter. <laughs> Uh, goings on but yeah so i've um yeah so we've got a new website which is great and it's very exciting for me because it it it's more of a career it sounds crazy isn't it? i rather run a little creative creative agency and i'm now got a new business that allows me to be a bit more creative <laughs> well you can always uh, be more yeah. creative regardless of what you're doing don't you so absolutely so yeah i'm very much looking forward to that um, that's, and by the way let's thing- just say that's elliepress.co.uk E-L-L-I-P-R-E-S-S.co.uk. Yeah. Go have a peek. Yeah, please I do. I demand it. Uh, we'll, put, we'll be putting more products, um, different size, size options, um, and just judging how things go this week, and then we'll make some changes at the end of next mm. week. So if there's anything you want to see on there or different sizes, then do get in touch because we can sort it out. Can we print anything at Double Elephant? <laughs> What's a Double Elephant? Yeah, I can't remember. Big though. Mm. I'll look. Yeah, I bet it is. Uh, <clears throat> Double elephant is. Uh, how big is double elephant? It's, oh, it's actually not that big. Twenty six and a half by forty inches. Right. Is that a, is that an American? It's an old uh, book weight. I uh. think. Um, yeah. Full Scap Demi Medium Royal Imperial Elephant Double Elephant Atlas Columbia Antiquarian. There you go. Some amazing. You can print your next uh, brochure at uh, antiquarian sizes. It's <laughs> thirty-one by fifty-three inches. It's like one of those wow. giant atlases you get in a library, isn't it? On a lectern. Yeah. <clears throat> So other things that I've been doing, um, I've been toying with 3D printing. But the 3D printers are getting really cheap now. They are. I was convinced a couple of years ago that this was, uh, 3D printing was what was going to be Apple's new big thing. And they've resolutely uh, stayed away from it so far. I thought if ever there was a sort of technology that was just mature enough for Apple to come in and completely revolutionize, it would be 3D printing. Well, I think it's a lo- it's a little bit like inkjet printing in many ways. It sounds like it's a really nice automatic process, but actually, it's not. It's very, uh, it's still very um, physical, mm. um, and things go horribly wrong because of your mixing digital with analog. Yes, <laughs> almost uh, <clears throat> because you know, especially the cheap ones, which are real. You know, it's, it's just a reel of plastic, isn't yeah. it? I mean, that thing they just melt um, the. They don't stick to the bases properly and they move. They mm. take, I think just a normal print takes like eight hours to print. So the propensity for that to go horribly wrong is, is quite high. But for um, also for you to wait seven and a half hours to realize it's gone horribly wrong. Yeah. For you to have printed. Yeah. A, you put it printing overnight and you wake up in the morning and you've just got a, a gloopy mess all over your floor or something. Yeah. Well, in the early days of uh, large format, we used to get that a mm. lot, just big, big puddles of sort of brownie black ink on the floor and paper ripped up. Uh, Yeah. So I've been, I'm sort of learning 3d again to, uh, to, cause there's a few little art projects that I want to do with 3d. 
where we're playing with sound sound waves. Yes. You know, I've spoken yeah, yeah. about it before. But um so yeah, so I I've um I bought Cinema four D, which is, is not an inconsiderable amount of money. Yeah. Um and all I've done for it so far this year is just buy the upgrade again. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have to keep upgrading it, otherwise you really lose mm. out. It's a so, bit of a bit of a scam. So where in our kind of uh, the appeal of the analog tonight, where does a a digitally conjured 3D render of an analog sound wave printed on a 3D printer. Where does that fit in analog or digital? Because it's making my head hurt, to be honest. <laughs> well, we, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll talk about this. Yeah. And it's it's very it's very hard to unpick the. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a bit like the stitching on Apple's old address book on the <laughs> on the uh, OS iOS early yeah. bird. Um, yeah, you you can't do it, can you? It's 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 becoming inextricably mm. linked until you turn the electricity off. Yes. Um, um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. Well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna uh, attempt to uh, to embarrass ourselves about in a discussion about analog and and digital. Yes, that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that. And what have you been doing this week? Well, I've had my parents uh, here staying with us for the last. Uh, five six days, which has been lovely. Don't see them nearly often enough, um, and we we didn't really do massive touristy stuff with them. We went for nice long walks in the park, or we sauntered down by the river at Runnymede, um, and seemed to eat out a lot. <laughs> so it was it was lovely. But apart from that, I haven't really done much. Um, working on some commissions the last couple of days, which is kind of the first time I've got a chance to draw in a week. Um, yeah, and then getting very excited by the the print business, which is good. And I did, we did all. Everyone got woken up um, on I think it was Sunday or Monday morning at four a.m. by the the screeching of a little owl, which was um, quite a treat. Even though it was four a.m., it's nice to know that we've got little owls nearby, added to the to the tawny owls that we hear quite often. So that was um, that's nice. I just need to try and see one now. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't know what they sound like. Yeah, they sound a bit like this, John. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, très bon, très bon. So, uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I've been up to. It's been quite a quiet family week. Um, but that's good. Feel sort of slightly refreshed and eager to get back to drawing again now. Very good. Mm. Well, I went. I I was in the uh, the eagle's nest today. It's the first time I've been to your house, um, and uh, went up to your studio. And what a lovely workplace it oh, is! Right, and uh, I saw some of your new work, which is looking fabulous yeah. as always. And uh, yeah, it was great you to rummage around in your shelves. <laughs> you I met Gwyneth. Gwyneth, yeah. I did. I wasn't introduced to um, the cactus. I don't know what you called it, Colin, Colin or something. Yeah, sorry, I forgot to introduce mm. to Colin. He's quite short. Yeah, well. <laughs> Um, I thought he was a bit of a prick. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was very nice for you to uh, to to be able to welcome you into my little garret. <clears throat> um, right. So, what's uh, have you got some news for us this week? <clears throat> uh, first one is um, a sort of a reboot of our um, book of the month, which we haven't done for ages and ages. But you very kindly gave me a copy of a new book today. Um, and it's called, what is it called? It's called uh, You're My Favourite Client by Mike Matera. Um, yes. And we reviewed his previous one, which is 
design. design is a job is a job yeah um and it's there are a series of books uh called book apart and they come out of the a list apart website which <clears throat> is sort of the early um early accessibility pro um anti-table sort of movement I don't know what you'd call it in the in the early 2000s uh it, it's a website that sort of drove that that um design culture in in web and they're still you know they're now in positions of enormous importance within the web community um and they've withdrawn their advertising um from their website and they're going to patreon uh, and i just wondered how what you thought about this is well, it how does that work then for them let me have a quick look on that thing because i i'm i'm well aware of patreon there's lots and lots of artists use it to supplement their incomes and they if you subscribe at certain levels you get access to more of their content so it might just be you get to see a daily sketch or you might get access to uh, like the digital files that they've used to create uh, an illustration so that you can kind of see how they've done it or it might be video content um, but how does that work with a book so well I don't think it's a book it's for the website oh, okay. itself so it's to fund that kind of uh, the hosting and the writing I think they pay their their writers um, oh, okay so, they so this doesn't I was thinking that it was solely Patreon you know, I thought it was closing it off to everyone else, but it's not, is it? No, it's just no. to supplement the... No, I don't know how they ran their previous advertising, but I'm guessing it might have gone through um, Koodle Partners mm. uh, advertising system, which was, I can't remember what it's called, but they've shut it down because of this growth of um, anti, uh, of ad blocking um, and anti-advertising in web browsers. Yeah. Um, and the reason I thought this story was quite—I know it's a real niche story—but it's quite relevant now is the fact that uh, what we're going to speak about in a little bit is you know new Apple products, and primarily uh, iOS 11 allows you to specifically block ad tracking. Mm. So you know they're trying to find a new way of getting revenue, um, and I'm a little bit uncomfortable about where they're going with this and trying to make it sound like an honest thing because in the end, at the end of the day, they're still trying to get funding. Aren't yeah. They? Um, it's strange. It's the, it was the deck, isn't it? That uh, advertising platform. That was it. About. Well done. Uh, yeah. But I wonder if that will make a comeback given Apple's, uh, um, you know, this non, uh, tracking advertising thing that iOS 11 is, is bringing in. You'd think the deck could, could have a, a space in that market now couldn't you yeah i just i yeah i just don't know whether uh yeah it, it'll be it, it's definitely something to to keep your eye out on i mean you know there's been there's a lot of very wealthy people out there who've made a lot of money mm. on on tracking advertising um through websites and you know <clears throat> whether it's effective or not remains to be <laughs> remains to be seen i mean the fact that you get shown you know you've bought a sofa and you get shown picture of a the same sofa. for sofas yeah for the next six months and um, it kind of makes you cynical to the whole thing but it, it must work in some way because people are, bu- are buying yeah. it um but when that's all when that's gone away the ad, ad, ad the ad industry are up in arms about yeah. this aren't they 
the fact that you know their primary source of it's almost like a magazine suddenly says do you know what we're not going to allow you to uh, to publish um advertising yeah. <clears throat> but it's not the magazine who's saying that it's the paper makers yeah. <laughs> almost yeah. uh, it's strange so, it'd be interesting to see if uh, if a couple of years down the line advertisers suddenly realize that actually their money is much better spent elsewhere yeah creating decent content mm. not just you know slavishly churning out lists top 10 lists or you won't believe what this celebrity used to look like or, yeah um uh, I don't know. Will it clean? Will it clean things up and send, uh, you know, people who genuinely need financing for their little projects, like a list apart, to places like Patreon? Yeah, it's difficult um, because to, to, you know, if it becomes then quite an expensive person to be a consumer of content. Exactly. Yeah, um, because you you're know, five dollars here or there is is a lot. It is. It is. If you're a fan of say ten, fifteen different. Yeah. You know, if you're into sort of uh, all just all sorts of different things, then yeah, it will become rapidly very, very expensive. I guess it kind of takes you it? back to a, a pre-internet way of consuming, where you know you'd buy a a book or a magazine subscription, and and you know mm-hmm. you might have two or three of them, and that would be it. Um, yeah, I guess we're just spoiled, aren't we, for the free content that's available on the the internet. Yeah, I just I, I I wonder if it's the sort of the the harbinger of a, of the of an end of a of a sort of gold rush type experience on the web, mm. and whether it's going to become much more siloed again. Yeah, I don't know. Sure, uh, interesting times, definitely. Rise on that one. Uh, I've got a really Absolutely. weird first bit of news. Um, there's a quote by William Gibson called, uh, "Which is the future is already here; it's just unevenly distributed." which is a quote I absolutely love. Um, And this headline is very definitely from that undistributed future. And the the headline is, Wind Energy Used to Mine Cryptocurrency to Fund Climate Research. Which I just think is fantastic. And it's a really cool little project. This guy called Julian Oliver, uh, I think he's an artist, um, has produced a, a wind turbine which is connected up to some um, uh, computing tech. And it's got a 4G uplink. And basically the, the wind turbine powers the computers, which then um, do the uh, mining of a cryptocurrency. Um, and all the reward for that mining of the cryptocurrency is then um, uh sent to uh, climate change research organizations so they can better study planetary climate change. So it's, it's a pretty fascinating little project and you can almost see it working in a kind of a much grander scale with lots and lots of people. You, know, you imagine kind of uh, climate activists kind of all doing something like this. And it's, there's that beautiful kind of circularity to it that the you know the climate change is is producing the energy to to mine the bitcoins or whatever to fund climate research i think it's it's marvelous so so it's an analog thing creating digital thing to fund analog stuff yeah. are on uh, i think our noses might be bleeding by the end of this episode <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
but it's great and i love i love the fact that it sounds That's like a it's brilliant from a, story it sounds like it's from a bruce sterling it's a bit of hard sci-fi um <laughs> Great That's going to get a lot of uh, crunched edges of the Daily Mail, isn't it, reading oh, that absolutely. one? What? Yeah. They're using our wind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, what's up next? Uh, well, one really quick one, one we missed for a for, 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 for few weeks ago is... Um, Actually, a while ago, that f- 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 found yeah the website. It's like a, the first sort of inspirational website, or almost like a proto Pinterest mm. uh, website. Closed down after ten years. It's like a kind of design um, aggregator, collated melange design of theft. Yeah, porn. all sorts, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, it closed down, and uh, I missed missed it closing down, um, and missed pretty much it being around. Never really used it that much because it just became filled with silly gifts yeah. and naked ladies. It was very gift heavy, but it did have some uh, some fantastic designs on there. Yeah, and it, it often had stuff that you wouldn't see elsewhere, which was uh, good. Yeah, uh, but more, I think the next is Apple. We we missed an Apple event. Mm. Um, I think the the nicest thing about the whole Apple event was the uh, architecture, possibly. Yeah, it's uh, there's there's a I think there's a whole episode to be had to just talk about the new Apple campus. Um, I just thought a few high windows with black frames and then lots of trees was right up your alley. Well, it is. It's very beautiful, but it's also it's almost a bit of an anachronism already in you know the world of kind of hot desking and shared workplaces and flexible working and things you know to have this kind of huge centralized uh place for everyone to work um yeah it's a norma foster beast isn't it right mm-hmm. but yeah it's, it's i mean it looks nice and shiny yeah it's a bit like the spaceship out of the elo out of the blue album yeah it's it is. Well, I wonder if it's the same thing. Probably. Um, what did you uh, think yeah, of so the event? Got, uh, really boring, actually. Uh, I thought it was, uh, yeah, I actually watched it like a sad, sad idiot that I, I am. I watched um, the live text updates of it, which is even sadder, <laughs> isn't it? It's like CFAX. <laughs> yeah, no, that's sometimes more exciting. Yeah. Uh, no, there wasn't anything of great interest there and i think we're we're heading toward that towards that um period of mobile devices becoming so um you know oh, what's the word uh samey uh, yeah <laughs> yeah they're all just glass, slabs of glass aren't they now yes which is what they all wanted mm. uh to be originally uh, it's what apple's vision was originally and um, I think it's really interesting that if you took something like, um, I don't know, maybe um, take a train. Um, people are really, really into old fashioned trains and the original exposed kind of wheels and the steam and the pistons and all that kind of stuff. And if you look at a very modern train now, it's just streamlined mm. and uh, everything's hidden away. And it doesn't really get, you know, apart from if you're a real train geek, it, it nobody's. It's just a functional object. Nobody really pays them much attention. Yep. Um, and I think that's where we're heading with um, these kind of objects, and that's why it's very hard to get excited by them. 
Uh, you, you know, if people are getting excited about a tiny little notch where there's a microphone, then, you know, we're on to, uh, we're at the end of days with being interested in what, what these devices do. I think it's what they're going to project. I think, you know, uh, augmented reality is, I think Apple aren't normally very good at um, identifying technology. Uh, I know that sounds really awful, doesn't it? But, but com- um, software-based, um, they're normally best at, honing and, yeah. and uh, perfecting them but they've really they've really latched on to augmented reality and i think that's going to be a massive massive thing in the next few yeah years. i think that the kind of uh, sort of instant excellence in that field comes from the fact that they're designing their own chips now um with uh, with kind of specific things in mind like augmented reality and machine learning and what do they call it? This is a bionic chip with, uh, I can't remember what the, the little thing they've coined for it. Um, but yeah, I think that's something that other phone and device makers, because they're buying their chips from other makers um, and those makers have to make the chips that kind of work across a range of softwares and different hardware and, and everything else, they're, they're going to lag behind. Um, whereas Apple can, as Apple have always done, um, you know, they make the hardware, make the software, everything integrates beautifully, and um, the, the the result is all the better for it. Mm. Um, <clears throat> my four observations from the event were, uh, why am I watching this? This just isn't cool anymore. What's new? Brackets, nothing. And then another one, why am I watching this? <laughs> yeah, it definitely wasn't cool. <laughs> but I still watched I don't it. Think it was, I don't think Apple had been cool for quite a while. I mean, they were imp- impressive and innovative and everyone wanted their products, but I don't think it was, I don't think they were, but they've been a cool um, brand for a while. Respected and no, well No, they're not, they're not. <clears throat> no, you're right. Uh, but I do, I do, um, what did I, what else did I, no, that was it. I've, I've been, I've really, um, they've transformed the iPad. Yeah. You know, my, 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 my iPad, the big one, um, is a completely different, uh, object mm. now in terms of uh, its capability, uh, dragging and dropping just absolutely changes it. Uh, you know, it's so much easier to use now. Yeah. Um, well, my, uh, uh, bit of news couldn't be more different. It's the Woodland Trust's annual Tree of the Year competition. Not, not right. that the trees this, themselves enter. Is this a specific tree or or a type of tree? No, it's well, it's. Uh, have you not heard of the Tree of the Year? It's um, no. it's uh, something that the Woodland Trust run, and I think it's really about uh, raising awareness. And I think whichever the winning tree is, there's there's kind of an award for you know, the area that it's in, a monetary award. Um, but um, they tend to feature very old trees or historic trees or trees that are in uh, kind of an important historic location or they've had a, something um, associated with them. So the general oak in Sherwood Forest or the tree that whoever it was hit up who was it hid up a tree? Which king? Only Prince Charlie. Did he hide up a tree? Somewhere like that, wasn't it? Charles the first. Charles the first hid up a tree, didn't he? Yeah. Um, so it's broken down into uh, England, Ireland, England, Scotland, and Northern Ireland. 
and Wales. Uh, and there's things like the, the Meavy Royal Oak near Yelverton in Dartmoor. It's uh, a thousand-year-old oak, and it's, you know, twisted and gnarly. And they're just some fantastic – I love trees. Oh, they're some fantastic-looking um, trees. So I voted for the courageous tree in uh, Coniston in Cumbria, which actually has no historical tale or lofty royal connection. Um, but it was split in half by lightning probably half a century ago, and uh, – the local people see it as a symbol of hope in uh, in the face of adversity. Um, so it continues to um, bloom every uh, spring into leaf, uh, even though there's kind of only half a tree there, and then in places it's only a couple of inches thick. But it's a, a mighty-looking tree. <clears throat> so have a look at the um, tree of the year, woodlandtrust.org.uk, and... Uh, Go vote for your favourite tree. Mm. Have you got a favourite tree? Uh, no. <laughs> well, you're on the spot there, didn't you? Pati- a particular tree. Yes, a particular tree. Mm. Well, no, not not a famous one. Well, no, it's um, to be famous. Do you run past There was one? one I used to know, I used to see uh, occasionally <laughs> from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Friday nights, yeah. you'd had a few too many. Um no, I uh, I grew up in Windsor, and the Windsor Great Park mm. is filled with some magnificently old and ancient oaks. Right, you are. Have you got another bit of news? No, not really. Yeah. Uh, I'll quickly do one. It's a Twitter feed, and it's the uh, Twitter feed of Rob G. McFarlane, who is a writer and a filmmaker um, who writes about nature and makes films about he made a he's made a film called Mountain, which is kind of one of those beautiful slow moving uh beautiful kind of nature films. Um but he on his Twitter feed he does a daily word of the day and they're generally to do with the landscape or nature. So for instance, uh the word of the day uh yesterday I think it was was Gleptowodder. Uh, which is a, a term from Shetland, I think. And it's the bright shard of a rainbow at a distance from the sun. So on a, one of those kind of cloudy, stormy days, and you get those kind of arc of a rainbow that's particularly bright. That's a gleptowada. Um And his uh, his feed is full of stuff like that, you know, kind of like the, I don't know, the Icelandic name for a moss-covered boulder or the Gaelic term for a leaf that falls on your foot or something um and it's really interesting and very sort of poetic and beautiful so it's definitely he's a he's a yeah he's a great writer i've read um the old way oh, okay him, I think. yeah uh i think i've spoken about it on the show before he's um he's a walker yes and he loves um ancient tracks oh, okay. and uh yeah and um uh yeah i'm a big fan of him and the um yeah, is he an English teacher? Oh, I don't know. Actually. Uh, Cambridge, Cambridge. Yeah, I think he's a don. <clears throat> Which is hence his interest in uh, words, etymology. Yes. I went for words. You went for etymology. You can tell who's got the expensive education, can't you? <clears throat> Did I just say the love of insects? <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. So is it is it topic time, John? <laughs> yes, it is. Um, just have a little funny turn. <laughs> 
Yeah. So we've, we've, we've spoken about the appeal of analog and this came about. Um, how did it come about, Rob? I'm not, put some I'm not entirely sure, John, to be honest. No, so. well, we, the, 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 the cliched one is, um, is vinyl lovers, yeah. isn't it? You know, why are people still listening to vinyl when there are perfectly good digital copies that you can carry, uh, you know, a thousand songs in your pocket? I think Steve Jobs. Yes. Termed the, uh, original, the original iPod. Um, but, uh, yeah, why, why, are societies obsessed with keeping this very themselves very much rooted in in older technology? Or uh, no, that doesn't make any sense. But uh, why why do we why do we hark back to old technologies when they've been superseded? Well, it's definitely not about quality, is it? So you would think um, the marketing people would understand. But it's not all about. I guess they do know, don't they? They talk about the experience of using uh, technology more than they talk about uh, specific stats or speeds or the kind of quantifiable stuff. Um, I don't know. I don't know why it is. It's, I mean, the digital versus analog is is a a bit of a weird term, and it's not in the way that we use it. I don't think it's really correct, is it? Because it's very specific to kind of how information or uh, is is kind of recorded or transferred or described. But it's, it, you know, we've kind of using a much looser term. Um, so you can, we can talk about electronic devices and they can still be um, analog, can't they? A VHS recorder is effectively an analog device. Yeah. Yeah. It records. Uh, it doesn't uh, change the the signal into bits of data. Um, but you wouldn't really talk about um, videos uh, as being analog, even an old VHS recorder. So it's it's quite. A, we'll have to edit this out. <laughs> I'm trying to desperately trying to get to where I want to go. Well, I, I was going to say. Let's start. Let's start again. Let's 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 define what analog is and what digital is and in terms of those parameters and then wonder why why is that um that especially the design community always is attracted towards the you know the wood grain rather than the binary as it were yeah so let's start with what 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 is analog when you say when we say analog what does that mean what's that what's that got to uh how does that describe itself in today's world? Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it, 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 in essence, you know, if we if we look at the record, let's look at the the record. So the record is creating sound by a needle hitting lots of little grooves in a, in a record that it then gets translated into sound by vibrating mm. a, a cardboard cone. Um, whereas digital is something looking through a load of ones and zeros and kind of translating it into using a digital processor, but kind of doing the same thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I it's, think it's because it, it the original, in digital, the original thing is no longer represented in any recognisable format. So sound waves to grooves on vinyl to vibrations, there's that continuity of 
uh, of information, isn't there? Um, whereas, yeah, there's there's still sine waves, yeah. aren't they? Whereas, and there's still there's still a curve to yeah, them, and digital mm. that gets translated into a completely different format, which is bits and ones and zeros. So that's digital versus analog, isn't it? This is about digital items that have replaced their analog forefathers mm. or mothers, um, but people then going back to the original um, and and wondering what you know. For example, um, digital printers now are you know all, <laughs> as good as Litho. It could yep. could be said in some some circumstances, but the majority of printing still operates on Litho, and that's just a that's a financial thing but um digital print um you know what ellie press is doing mm-hmm. is digital print versus uh, letterpress or screen printing w- why is that more appealing what is what is the greater appeal by well it? i think it's a more basic thing i don't think you need to break it down into individual things like printing or music or books i think there's a really sort of inherent love for the physical and the tangible. And I think maybe that comes from you can understand things that you can touch better. Does that make sense? You know, you can hold a book, but you can't hold an e-book. You can feel the grooves on a vinyl record, but you can't feel a song on Spotify. So they become separated from your understanding of the physical world. And, how you know, given that most of our... Uh, interaction with the physical world is through our hands and fingers. That the fact that you can't physically touch or grasp or feel something separates us from it. <clears throat> and and where do you think? Well, I'm not asking you to answer this question, but the tipping point for, let's say, you know, Derek in the high street, for him to suddenly want a mobile phone, and then to want you know, uh, a computer in his mm. hand that he can do whatever he wants in. But where's the tipping point of that being different to going and putting a BT card in a, you know, is it convenience? Is it cheapness? Is it price? Do you think that that comes to it? Why do suddenly people adopt technology when before they were, you know, pretty much Luddite? So we only have to, you know, just look at your parents and, and look at their sort of not your parents specifically, but you know, their, their adoption of, uh, of technology. Um, and it's kind of like, will you set, you know, I remember being a teenager and parents asking me to set the video recorder because, you know, their brain had run out their ears, even though they brought up children and, you know, done that, you know, very bright people, but there, there's this fear of, of digital, isn't there for a certain generation? There is, but I think that's um, probably just a fear of the new rather than the fear of digital. Um, you know, I would imagine there was the same reticence uh, coupled with excitement when TVs came along. You know, everyone wants the newest thing as soon as it's affordable to have it, don't they? You know, very few yeah. people who can afford <clears throat> a smartphone don't have a smartphone. Are we are we saying that um, people are driven by a capitalistic uh, sort of want, uh, you know, in terms of like uh, desire for objects? Yeah, I think you know the the vast majority of society always want to keep up with the Joneses. They want what's new. They don't want to feel left behind or left out. 
Um, so as soon as because you don't get doctors, you don't get do- you don't go into the doctor's surgery and they say, um, you know what, I'm a real, you know, I know all this new modern medical technology, but I'm st- I still kind of I think the old miasma is the way <laughs> forward. And uh, and here, just stick this leech on you <laughs> on your backside. Yeah. Um, it, that there are certain aspects to life that where where technology kind of uh, it reverses. Um, thinking about particular subject matters. Whereas what we're talking about is that it's just, it's almost like a, a an archeological, you know, layer mm. uh, where it's just replaced it. You know, there were houses down below, you know, when you go to one of the great places to go to is Edinburgh and go and look at the old vaults yeah. and, you know, there's all streets, yeah, yeah. you know, 20, 30 feet underneath um, the existing buildings and they just built on top of them. And, uh, and that's, to me, that's analog to digital. That's that you yeah. know, it still did the same thing, but there's something else has replaced it. I bet, um, I bet there's a real interesting graph to be had around this, where you could plot adoption of new technology versus time, and the uh, kind of neglect of old technology as new technology is adopted, and then you'd have a second or a third curve behind them both which is the adoption of a previously unadopted technology, the re-adoption of a technology. And I bet those three curves move perfectly in time with each other. So there's always going to be people uh, who, or there's always going to be technology that we'll go back to, um, whether that's letterpress printing or, you know, uh, hand-bound books or vinyl, um, but it's it's always supplementary, isn't it? You know, very few people are going to throw away all their digital things and just go back to living in, you know, the 18th century style. You yeah. know, they will only go back to things that don't really impact too much on their way of life. No one's going to give up their smartphone, are they? No, but cat- cataclysmic events often wipe those things well out, if we right? have a coronal mass ejection and uh we're all we're all uh driven not after that last log <laughs> driven back to the stone age <laughs> then uh yeah at least the gramophones will still work <laughs> true so we discussed the analog and digital world and i guess the next thing is you know is, is saying so we embrace digital because it's Faster, and I was, you, you dared me to say this earlier. Like, faster, better, stronger. Very good. I that like right? it. Um, that's my slightly uh, inebriated posh robot. <laughs> um, <laughs> so th- that kind of proves that you know. Let's go back to the vinyl example. That um, you know, it's it's better. It's easier. You know, you don't have to have a massive wall of records or CDs or whatever. Yeah. But um, there's still this huge appeal for that kind of the touch and the feel that something that isn't to do with one, the quality of the music or the, the quality of the sound. Um, and two, the kind of convenience mm. that's, that that's, that's not important. Um, what, what do you think the balance is between that digital world? You know, so if, for example, if you said to somebody, Oh, well, you've got to give up your computer and go back to a typewriter and a telephone. Uh, where, where do you think that cutoff point is? Um, you, you like you said, you you said it's a supplementary thing. Yeah, no, I don't think anyone is is willingly going to give up anything that requires them to spend more time 
doing the same thing. Um, so where new technology makes things quicker and easier, they're always going to hang on to that. Um, but I wonder if, if one of the things that drives, uh, particularly, uh, physical books and vinyl is, uh, is the need to actually own those things because, uh, yeah, yeah, because you've got, you know, digital content, whether it's, uh, eBooks or MP3s or, or whatever is kind of exists in this strange digital netherworld where you, you've bought it, but do you own it? Or you might even just be streaming it. Um, and I think there is, there's probably a fundamental need or desire for people who, you know, to, to kind of physically own the things they've spent money on. Um, certainly I don't, um, feel the same way about kind of the, the films that I've bought on iTunes that I used to feel about my collection of VHS films. You know, they're just not other. Um, well, they were special. They were special films. Well, this is true. <clears throat> this is very true. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I see what you, I see what you mean. You know, yeah, it's good to have, um, oh, so having seen your bookshelves and stuff <laughs> today, um, you're a tremendous uh, fan of, of the printed page. Yes. But that's because you feel a connection with all of those objects. Yeah, but I think it's something just more fundamental than that. I, th- I think, I just think I, I want to be able to pick them up. You know, the things that I own, I want them, I want to actually own them. You don't, um, you know, pick up a digital file on a on a computer screen and, and lovingly caress it like you might a really lovely paperweight or, uh, you know, a nice album or anything like that. There, there, there isn't that kind of what we'd term human connection no. with these things. And that's why designers have sort of invented what was, you know, became quite popular to call skeuomorphic yeah. design because that gave you some kind of connection between the binary object that you were, you know, manipulating digitally yep. and, and the real world. That's it. I mean, there were kind of two threads to that one. The one was, was exactly that. It gives you a, it kind of harks back to something that you already know and love. And the other was that it, it, uh, if you've got a notepad and it looks like a leather bound notepad, it's, it's kind of easier to understand, um, how to use it in the, the, the digital sense. So if you've got a switch on a on an iPhone on a screen and the switch looks like a switch, you know what to do with it. <clears throat> but if it's some digital representation of a of an option, that might not be as obvious. So skeuomorphism in sort of terms of digital design had kind of two strings to its bow. Well, I think we've seen a swing away from this kind of grunge design, online design, going from grunge and uh, and skeuomorphic to a very flat, um, what people have termed flat design, yep. the Google material yep. um, brand guidelines spring to mind. Um, <clears throat> and a sort of the design communi- community in many places railing against that. Although uh, we've sort of um, 
analyze the hell out of all the data that's being gathered. I think what people have realized is that you need a little bit of, you know, you need scratches mm. and, um, and buff on things and, you know, worn edges. And you, you need to have that to make, to make it feel like you're actually engaging with something rather than just, um, <clears throat> pressing buttons. Um, and why do you think perfection or design perfection as, you know, in terms of just using pure science looks so horrible? Well, I think it might be because we appreciate the wear and tear on things. You know, physical objects develop a pattern. They, you know... Uh, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> well um, you know, a, a chair that's been sat in a long time kind of curves and smooths to the, the sitter. Um, whereas digital devices don't. Ooh. They don't, you know... Or if they do, it's unwanted. You know, if you get a, a ding on your iPhone or a cracked screen or a, a chip on the side of your laptop, you gutted because those kind of new shiny things, we want to stay new and shiny. Whereas a pair of a brand new pair of shoes, we love it when they're, they're worn in a bit and they're softer and they've got, you know, they've, they've, or a, a pair of jeans, you know, expensive pair of jeans. You, you appreciate them when they've softened and they've, they've acquainted themselves with the curves of your bum. And do you know what I mean? But there, there is none of yeah, that. Yeah, but they're, 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 but you've just identified two things that are connect that are, that are totally attached to the human being. Whereas the things that we surround ourselves and are often things that you never want to have dings. You know, um, let's a car's a perfect example, isn't it? You don't want scratches and stuff, and you know, unless you've got a real jalopy. But um, yeah, what? Why do why do artists put in design? I, I've written a few things. You know, lens flares in digital film. Yeah. Why, why, why are they in digital or film, film grain what, what? in digital? Yeah. Yeah. Film grain. Um, and therefore, you know, black and white, why do we put things back into black mm. and white? Um, you could say that that's actually a, um, nostalgia thing, is it? It's, it just, it concentrates you yeah, on the subject a, matter. It'll be aesthetic. <clears throat> but why, you know, Instagram, um, and I was trying to think of the name of the app before it, um, I had oh, to look at the ages, hipstamatic yeah. where, uh, you know, you took a photo and the actual, a little instant yeah. photo popped out of the top of the app that you were using. Um, and then Instagram came away and destroyed all of those apps um, where you applied old fashioned, old grain f uh, photos. Um, now the cameras don't really need that. And that's kind of dying a death, isn't it? I, I, I wonder what the percentage of um, photos that are being posted on Instagram have got filters applied to them. Quite a lot. Yeah. I think that's quite an easy um, stat to look at, but I think it's quite a lot. But I wonder how much of this um, is to do with the maturity of the digital age. You know, is it is it actually mature yet? Um, you know, so it's the skeuomorphism and the flat design and the, you know, pretend Polaroid cameras. I wonder if this is all kind of a little route we have to take when a new technology comes along that before it kind of finds its own voice. Can I jump forward a little yes, bit and uh, mention a chap that I read about called Freeman Dyson mm. uh, of whom I'd not heard of. Um, and when I spoke about him 
to you today, you said, oh, yeah, yeah, no, him, yeah, no. Um, the Dyson Sphere yeah. you mentioned. A famous sort of theorist, mathematician, physicist. A theoretical physicist. <clears throat> well, I'm going to quote him. To be alive, a system must not only hold information, but process and use it. It is the active use of information and not the passive storage that constitutes life. Uh, he argues about, uh, he makes an argument that um, both worlds are equally valid. Um, that, uh, and he wonders, and it's still not decided scientifically whether human brain is analog or digital, which is incredible, isn't it? Yeah, I guess but how does we it still don't know? So, therefore, are we actually, you know, with our analog world before a digital? Um, is that something that is, you know, complete anathema yeah. to the human condition? Um, I think that his his exploration of what what's the difference between digital and analog is amazing. There's a, he tells a story about his grandchildren. There's a there's a film, and I'll put the links in the show notes. Um, but uh, he says um, he's a story about his grandchildren. They were identical twins. And he says that if the brain, he doubts the brain's digital. So he says that if the brain is digital, then their genes, which are digital, have no control over their personalities, but they do have individual and different personalities. Um, so he sort of, he questions that, but he can't prove yeah. it. Um, and he goes on to say that, that that's what creates faith in religion. Um, it's that leap of not knowing um, that is analog. So he says, um, to me, to worship God means to recognize that mind and intelligence are woven into the fabric of our universe in a way that altogether surpasses our comprehension. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not talking about religion here, but what he said, he's making a leap beyond mm-hmm. us thinking in an analog and a digital world where he's almost, it's almost matrix. Like mm. he's almost saying that, Whatever we do, um, whether you're looking at it on a computer or whether you're looking into the eyes of another human being, they're all equally valid ways of living. Um, they're just, uh, it's just whether one of them lasts the other in terms of whether it leaves resonance and impression on culture. Yeah. Well, my final thought on this, but my final is, uh, is I wrote, uh, I doubt there's really any debate about which is quantifiably better, digital or analog. But analog is warmer, more tangible, more understandable, and less scary. It's the jawbone of an ass to an ape rather than the monolith. <laughs> um, and I think there's yeah. something in that fear of the unknown, which kind of goes back to what we were saying about, you know, you love certain analog things because you can understand them more. No one knows how an iPhone works. Um, you know, no one understands where information is in the cloud generally. Um, and I think that unknowing separates us from genuinely loving a thing. Is it by time? Yeah. Is it? Have you got a website? Oh, I have actually. It's a good one too. Yeah. Quick one. It's a podcast. Uh, it's called reply all. And interestingly, it's a podcast about the internet, but not about the internet. Um, it's really about people. It's been going for ages. Uh, Jeremy Marshall, um, tipped me off about it. And I've, so I started listening to it from the beginning and it's fascinating. So it takes, it talks about the guy who invented the pop-up or the pop-up window on the internet, on uh, the world wide web. 
and it talks about his story and how he was derided for doing it and how he eventually came to apologize to the world for inventing it. But he invented it to do a specific function and then other people did their own thing with it. And it's full of incredible little stories that are based around an internet or online thing, but it's really about the people that it's affected or were involved. And it's a great little podcast called Reply All. Well, well worth a listen. I've got one little Pinterest page that I loved yeah. um, and it was posted by um, a chap on Twitter called Danny Greaves. Yeah. Uh, and he's at built by underscore robots on Twitter. Um, and it's a Pinterest page. Uh, it's Pinterest forward slash forward slash Pascal Blanche and blocky fantasy. Mm. And it's a collection of the most incredible Lego models that are kind of fantasy uh, houses perched on rocks generally. Um, so if you imagine a sort of very wonky Hogwarts, yeah. um, they are amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brilliant stuff. You so, should you should generally just look at Pascal Blanche's um, Pinterest page because he's got some fascinating stuff on there. He's a he's a creative director at Ubisoft uh, Video Games. Ah, right. Uh, he's a, Didn't a know who fantastic he artist. Yeah. Wow. And have you got another website of the week? Did you say? Well, it was only just uh, sort of starting off a new um, uh, a new sort of uh, weekly thing. Is uh, is promoting small online businesses? Okay. Um, like we've been promoting <laughs> our own, but, uh, no, um, we, I just thought maybe that could be either an alternative or a replacement for website of the week yeah. where we actually just say things that we really like. Um, and if you've got, uh, an online business and, um, you think we'd be interested in it, then send it. There's no charge, no sponsorship, nothing. Um, just thought it'd be a nice thing to do to, uh, send some, you know, even if it's one person, myself, your yeah. way, then uh, then then let us know. Right, I do. Um, yeah. Cool. Pie. Pie. Uh, what have you got? Oh, it's it's a good one. No, it's not. It's a co-op mini <laughs> mini pork pie. Uh, it's all I could get in time, and it's a reduced one as well. Yeah. Just just to push it to the edge of uh, it's it's very soft and a bit soggy, um, and I'm going in. Mm. It's rubbish. <laughs> There's no jelly. It tastes into yeah. It tastes mainly of slightly overcooked pastry and greasy pork. It's a four. Oh dear. What have you um, got? I have got a, a ham hock and pea pie from Bevan's Butchers. I bought it from uh, Long Acres, which is a it's kind of big uh, garden centres with a big food hall and a florist and all sorts out near Windlesham in Surrey and uh, they've got a really good deli and pie selection uh, so this was cooked from frozen which we never we almost never cooked from frozen so I just stuck my finger in the middle of it just to make sure it was hot and I've burnt my finger um, so I don't actually know if I'm going to be able to taste it because it's so hot nice big chunks of ham hock uh, very crispy uh, so excuse me one second very, very hot. That's really good. It's got a little bit of mustard in there. Um, really succulent ham. Peas. Crispy shot crust pastry. That's good. That's a, that's a good eight. And I'm washing that down with my A&W root beer. Good work. Mm. <clears throat> 
So I don't think we solved the analog v digital problem, but we touched on some subjects that I think are good food for thought for uh, to go off and uh, explore. Um, definitely, yeah. definitely recommend that chap. Um, Freeman, what's his doodle? Freeman Dyson. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, got some quite controversial views on climate change, but um, he, I think he tends to play devil's advocate a lot in uh, big scientific discussions. Yeah, that was good. I enjoyed talking about that. I quite, I quite like it when we talk about things that we don't really know anything about. Yeah. But, uh, his dad was a um, composer at my school. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. And his son main, makes, he was the main his music make, teacher. His son makes vacuum cleaners. Yeah. <laughs> That's not right, is it? No, it's not. Hmm. I'm going to uh, end on Heraclitus of Ephesus. As do we always. And he, sa- he says uh, everything changes. That's all. Right. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> John, it's been a joy. Yep. Uh, I hope you're going to go and um, package up some prints. <laughs> mm, uh, no, I'm going to go and... Uh, and have a little rest, I think. You do that. And uh, right, no, I'll be packaging up prints tomorrow. So, mm. yeah, get your orders in. Yeah. 10% off, sign up to our mailing list, ellipress.co.uk. That's the last sponsorship ever. Apart <laughs> from next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rob, well, have All a right, lovely John, weekend. Enjoy. Yeah. You too. Speak to you soon. Ta-da. Ta-da.